Yo, this is the ancient Texan. I want to talk about the American dystopia, what it is, where it is, who's in it. America is a big place. Heaven and hell is going on at the same time. There are people that have great lives in America. For instance, if you're sick and you have money, this is the best place in the world to be. If you're sick and you don't have money, not so good to be here. A lot of places be better. So, in our system, we have different realities coexisting right alongside of each other because that's the way our system works. And I'm going to try to show you how it works on some simple examples. I grew up in the working poor. My dad was a mechanic, 11th grade education. My mom was homemaker, the 8th grade education. And I, I actually think that the times were better then than they are now for the people that live on the edge of dystopia. And I think for the most part, we were right on the hill of falling into, right on that little bubble of falling into dystopia. We could see the carcasses and the wolves coming to take people away. But we stayed a little bit further up the hill where the wolves didn't quite come, but we could see them. And we could see if we slipped down that hill the wolves would come and carry us away. And I'll get some more stories as this podcast goes on. Like when my dad had a heart attack and we slid down that hill. But today I'll take a simple example and show you how American dystopia works how it worked 20 years ago, and my belief is that it, hell, that wasn't 20 years ago, it was 50 years ago. But I think it's got much worse. And so the examples I'm giving you are definitely out of tune, but it's from the same place on the edge of dystopia. My mom um, had kids late. She was nearly 40 late 30s when she had me, over 40 when she had my brother. And the doctor, when we were, I was born C-section, and the doctor decided, which is amazing as hell, that she'd had enough kids and tighter tubes. My mom was really disappointed about this because she wanted to have... Um, She wanted to have a daughter. So we went to a government agency a few years after that. We, my mom, kind of drug my, the force in our family was my mom. Drug my dad to a government agency to adopt kids. Lots of kids needed adopting. We didn't particularly care what race, what anything. Probably would have preferred someone Hispanic or white. 
because that's kind of the area that we lived in. There wasn't really blacks in my neighborhood. Or Chinese or much of anything else. Hispanics mostly. Even not so many whites. So it would have she would have wanted to fit, fit in. So what did they do? She goes, fills out all these applications and works on it. Um, and a government person came to our house after we filled out the application and interviewed my parents, looked at our house, did an income review. Their obvious conclusion was we were too poor. I remember sitting in the living room listening to my mom talk. They asked my mom, how would you feed another child? And she answered, which to this day, this chokes me up. She said, we would divide the beans one more way. When we had beans, beans and meat was our favorite meal, by the way, because that meant we could ask our friends over and we could divide the beans with our friends. <laughs> this is literally true. Meat and beans. Hamburger meat and beans. But I know most nights we had uh, you know, something like chicken or tuna salad or you know, my mom's meals were real simple or, you know, pork chops. But the meat was always rationed. We would have a chicken and the chicken would have to last us, us four people, two brothers. I mean, my brother and I and mom and dad, the chicken would have to ask us, last us two meals, two suppers. We didn't have chicken <laughs> except at supper time. So we would each get one good piece one night and then would the next night would get one good piece. My mom would take the crappy pieces like the wings and that kind of stuff. So she could make the chicken last, you know, two nights. So I assume if we had a, a girl that we had adopted, we would have had beans and more often. Meat and beans. So we could have divided it one more way. But the lady didn't think that was a good answer. I knew the system, and looking back, I could see how my mom could make that work. Then they ask, you know, where, where's the child going to sleep? You have the whole house was like 600 square feet. Had two bedrooms. My brother and I had the large bedroom, and my mom and dad had a very small, tiny back bedroom. One bathroom one living room, one kitchen, and a little, it's kind of in a circular design where a little hall in the middle. So you had to walk through the living room and then into the hallway that connected all the rooms. And there's a heater in the middle that uh, ran that kind of radiated heat out to the house. So it stood in the center of the house if you wanted to be warm in the wintertime. And El Paso does get cold in the summertime. I mean, the wintertime, it's at 3,000 feet. So they looked at that and said, where would you put another kid? And my mom said, well, she'll start out with us in the bedroom. With 
my dad and her. But we'll manage, we'll skimp and save and save up money to put an addition onto the back of the house. And my mom could do this with no money at all. She could create money out of, she never bought any clothes for herself. She got hand-me-downs from her sisters. Because we're right there, right on the edge of American dystopia. Well, the lady looked at the pay and, you know, looked at the clothes we had, which, you know, were not always, you know, they could be goodwill clothes. Although my mom managed to buy us clothes. Once I had, uh, at school, I'd put cardboard in the bottom of my shoes and the teacher uh, saw it and got the principal called my parents in and said, you know, you can't send your kid to school with cardboard to cover up the holes. Well, my mom didn't know that I had holes in my shoes because I didn't tell her I took care of it myself. I don't know if I was wise enough to know that just put more pressure on my parents then I kind of instinctively knew that we didn't have any money to spare. But my mom went out and got his shoes and she got after me for, you know, not telling her about it. So we lived on the this, you know, edge without a lot of buffer. This lady comes and tells us that my mom's dream about having a child um, can't happen because we don't meet the rules for adoption. We're not able to handle that. Well, here's how the system works. In America, if you have money, there's a different system and there's the ability to go around the problem. If you're middle class, what do you do? You, you hire a lawyer, you go to a private adoption agency, and you can work around it. But this is a little bit of catch-22 because you're too poor to pass the rules to have another kid in your family. You're also too poor to hire a lawyer. So in this case, we were kind of one foot right over in American dystopia. Would a kid been better off in our family than most kids in the world? Without a doubt. We had food on the table. We got fed. And we took care of each other. Um, we were part of a community that helped each other. But we didn't pass the rules. And that's kind of how the American dystopia works. If you fall into America dystopia, it means that you're in a position where you don't have the money 
or the ability to go around the problems in front of you. You don't have a money to solve the problem, to go through it, go around it. You just simply can't solve the problem. My parents couldn't solve the problem of bringing another child into our family. And you'll say, well, that's kind of, that's reasonable. Well, it's reasonable if you're used to having money and if you're used to being middle class. But another poor someone that grew up in poverty would understand what the hell I'm talking about and what it's like to be in what I'm calling the American dystopia, life for the bottom 20% of Americans. And you can live right among those people and not know those people if you've never been in those people. You can't even see them or understand them or understand what it means not to have the resources to solve the simple problems of life or to be one paycheck away from falling over the hill into the American dystopian. So that's, that's kind of how I'm defining the American dystopia. What's life like for the bottom 20% in America that live from one paycheck to the next. Let's look about how they got into that situation, how they get out of it, how they don't get out of it. And let's compare life in America for the bottom 20% and ask ourselves, do they live in a dystopia? It might be kind of a crazy way to look at it, but I think if you're in the middle of living in that world, it might not seem so crazy. Now, I'm lucky. I just live right on that hill. I never did quite fall down it where the wolves were waiting at the bottom. But I knew they were there. This is the ancient Texan wanting you to think about what it is to be in an, in an American dystopia. Have a good one. Namaste.